This is the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend recap edition. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Also joining me from Auburn, Alabama. In Auburn, Alabama, I should say. He's actually from. He's actually from. Dan, do you consider yourself from uh, from our our, our beloved uh, Florida Panhandle? Yeah, I don't. So I, I mean, I guess I could say I'm from Niceville because that's probably the one place I lived more than than anywhere else growing up as a kid. We were in Destin for uh, for some time as well. But but yeah, I think of myself as a native of the eight five zero and and someone who I mean not. I'm from there. When people ask, like, where are you from is such an odd question. But yeah, sure. when, when, when I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think of myself as, as from uh, Northwest Florida. And uh, it was it was great to uh, to see. Oh, yeah. You went back down there. Yeah, it was great to see what Niceville looks like now. It's uh, uh, is there, it nice. There, you know what? There are a couple of new spots that, that weren't around uh, when uh, w- when I was there. Sadly, the video store is gone, uh, oh. but it did, didn't make didn't make it. But uh, but no, it's uh, it, it does seem like a uh it was it was great to see a lot of people you know i hadn't been back in a while and uh yeah it's a a, a really nice uh re- really really nice city so it's nice to be in niceville painter sharpless i i know you consider yourself from auburn of course you are now a uh a proud uh a proud citizen of the underground bunker away from away from the government's control uh how are we doing Doing well, doing well. I got some sleep last night, baby. Oh, there you go, there you go. Uh, the upset for me of the year so far. So I did, I did the Associated Press uh, strong for them after the game, and it took it took Kevin forever to get out for post game. Um, and so I was on this really crazy deadline, and then I get everything done, and then I'm like, all right, I need to write observations for all of our subscribers uh, for Sunday morning. Mm. And uh, in the upset of the year, I got done before two a.m. Uh, and actually got actually got a decent amount of sleep, so um, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. This is usually the part of the year during football season where my body's just like, nope, you're done. Uh, does does writing the AP story help you sort of organize your thoughts for the Observer? Uh, oh yeah, write, sure. writing because I, yeah. I, I, w- yeah, I could yeah, see yeah. I could see those two sort of playing in. You kind of have a you kind of have a you kind of have a main narrative in your head. Now the AP story, I mean, it's just. You know, I file a 300 word story at the end of the game immediately and then it get, and then flesh it out to about like 600, six, 700 words after the game. And that's it. That's all I have to do as a stringer. So um, it's a it's a completely different ball game to <laughs> compared to the observations. And of course, we're here to talk about uh, Auburn, uh, their latest uh, football game, their latest loss, 28, 21 to Ole Miss. Guys, this is really, really interesting. All right. First off, I have a couple points I want to make about just the game in general. But before we started recording, Dan, you came up with an ingenious idea uh, to change up the format of the show today. And I, you know what, I'm 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 with you here. I, I like I like uh, I like the 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 suggestion, and I want you to share to to the entire class what you what you think you should do here. Well, well, it started as bullying. Let's be clear. I, I was gonna I wanted I wanted to make Painter uh, do do the entire show, but then but then I. But then I joke, I yeah, as sort of a way to, you know, shift responsibility for explaining what we saw on Saturday <laughs> night away from away from myself. Uh, but no, then I and then I referenced an old speech and debate event, uh, impromptu speaking uh, that mm-hmm. that uh, high schoolers and college students compete in, where you're given a quote or a statistic, and you're given two minutes to prepare, and then you stand up and you give a five minute speech. 
about that subject sort of off the top of your head. And we were saying, yeah, let's give let's give Painter five to ten minutes to prepare, and then he can do 45 minutes about Saturday night and how to fix uh, what's wrong. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I do worry a little bit about getting repetitive, right? I mean, and I, and I wonder yeah, if that's something yeah. you, you think of too. But yeah, that's you know, we're we, we're just we're just telling you what we see, right? We're just we're just normal men. We're just innocent men. Uh, so painter, is, what? Yeah. So what do you got, painter? Yeah. Like, what you what, got, painter? You've, you've had you've had about yeah. Yeah, you've I had would, a couple minutes. I would need a solid hour here. Time time's I would, up. I would try to score more points than the opponent. And okay. um revolutionary. I would also probably try to pass the football. In the event that that doesn't happen, um I'm sort of out of ideas. I'm yeah. I don't I don't want to I don't want to use profanity. I'm going to vow not to, but like yeah, Justin, this is friends of the program. J- Justin, ex- like let let like what what's the what's the plan at quarterback? Oh, like, I, yeah. I mean, it you at you got to pick one and just go with them after I, I don't know. I mean, again, don't want to swear. Sure. All right. So, a couple of things right here from the front. This game finished Ole Miss 28, Auburn 21. It's a seven-point game. All right. I don't think I've ever experienced a more, like, it did not feel close (laughs) seven-point loss. And and it's weird because, like, technically Ole Miss doesn't go ahead until the final play of the third quarter, and they don't get that second touchdown until the middle of the fourth quarter, and Auburn does – score finally but i mean it just felt so deflating for a lot of the fans in jordan hair and the way it went seven point loss all right i again i wrote this in the observations i don't want to repeat everything here but like a seven point loss to a 13 to the number 13 team in the country on paper the record book is going to show that and and you may look back at it if you had no idea what happened to this game and say okay well auburn lost the game that they were supposed to lose but they didn't get blown out. And last week they did get blown out. So progress, question mark. But the actual game, what happened in the game, the details and the context, it just, no, it didn't feel like that at all. And it's so weird because it's just a seven-point loss, but it felt so much more than that um, because of what Auburn is doing on offense. And look, I mean, this Auburn offense, this is this is game number five against power competition this year power conference competition they have been held to under 300 yards in four of those games under 300 which is like approaching like the bare minimum of what you would need in a modern college football game to be solid and then the only other time they've gone over 300 was against georgia and that was 307 so it wasn't like they would just kind of blew that one out either um this offense does not seem like they have any answers and I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how much they can do, but it is obvious that what this is is not working. And going back and forth between your two quarterbacks, it's not. It's just it is not working uh, the way that I think you want it to. Now, do you want to use Robbie Ashford's ability? Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and Robbie didn't have a phenomenal game on, on Saturday, but he had to make some plays. Um, I, 
I, I I remain baffled at the at at the fact that Auburn is now four four games into this losing streak, and I ha- I cannot see any tangible changes or differences that they have made on the offensive side of the ball from that first SEC loss against Texas A and M, where they looked so bad away from home. It just Outside of maybe tweaking some some usage of some personnel, maybe using more multi tight ends and multi back sets, playing Robbie a little bit more, I there's really not anything the, there that you can say is like okay, this looks different. And like it's just they've stuck to their guns over and over again. And Freeze comes out on Mondays and say, you know, like hey, don't expect any wild changes. Hey, you're going to see both quarterbacks, and like that has held up to the to this point. But like it's just it's just not working, and at at some point you're getting diminishing returns on the, you know, goodwill that you can get in a year one, because you look this bad on offense. Specifically because Hugh Freeze, one of the huge reasons why Hugh Hugh Freeze is the head coach at Auburn today, is because the people who made that decision at Auburn looked at his track record on offense, said, hey, what is holding Auburn Auburn back right now more than anything else? Offense. And then you bring Hugh Freeze in, and he hires, you know, a, a, an offensive coordinator in Philip Montgomery who had been really highly touted pretty much everywhere he's been. And they have gotten worse from where they were last year. They've gotten worse from la- the last November – when they had an interim coaching staff and an offensive line coach helping call plays, and they, I mean they moved the ball much better then, and it felt like they had an identity, and it felt it felt like they had a plan. There, I mean, Free said it. Free said it after the game on Saturday. Like he said, we're searching to see see what the best avenue for us to go to win is. It's seven games in the season, and you have no idea where that is for Auburn right now, and that is. That's some bleak stuff because you're on pace to have one of the worst offenses Auburn's had in the modern era, and that is no way to set the tone. Even if you want to point to, hey, it's year one, um, you know, you got to recruit, you got to recruit, you got to recruit. All the, it, They do have to recruit, and they have to put a ton of emphasis on that, and the rebuild and recruiting is real. But on the field, right now, you have to set, a, a set something up and show a proof of concept to maximize that effort and it's it's just only it's only gotten worse. It's only gotten worse. And that and like to answer your question, Dan, I, I don't I can't I don't know what the plan is. It doesn't seem I mean, the best way I can describe it is is that Robbie Ashford is not being trusted to run the full scope of this offense, and he's in the package, and that package is increasing in their in its usage. But there are opportunities and times where they don't know what to do. And they just go back and forth and back and forth. And and, and it kills drive sometimes. And it kills momentum. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I do not know what the plan is. And it's it's gotta be it's gotta be frustrating for everybody involved because it just doesn't see it doesn't seem like they have any answers. And and seven games in the year, I don't know how many how many answers you can come up with. My guess would be. And again, we're, you know, th- these are guesses. Like, I-, I would think that they are taking a very conservative approach offensively because if they tried to be more aggressive, maybe they would turn it over more and put the defense in worse situations. Like, that's the one thing I'm thinking now because, I mean, Auburn, I, I asked Nathan King 
I'll ask you too, like, is there a chance that Saturday night against Ole Miss third quarter was the first time that there was a quarter of football where Auburn did not attempt a pass? There was not a pass attempt, not completion. There was not a pass attempt by Auburn in the third quarter. The closest we got was the Holden Gurner play. But hmm, yeah. like there, there, there was not an actual attempt on the stat sheet in the third quarter. Like that's unbelievably Auburn. The I think longest... there was a sack. I think, there, I think Ole Miss had one sack. So you could say they only really called two. I'm going to say they called two pass plays in 11 plays. And yeah. the longest play from scrimmage by a receiver in the game is the Caleb Burton catch with a minute 25 left, which I think goes for 12 or 13. Hey, um, I'll, hey I'll, I'll give you another one. We wrote about this. We wrote about this last week about the lack of production from your outside receivers and how that just limits everything. Uh, Coy Moore had the only catch from an outside receiver, a six-yarder. Uh, and this is a traditional outside receiver. They moved some guys around, Burton, Javarius Johnson, even Jay Fair kind of moved around a little bit. A true outside receiver was only targeted one more time all game, and that was Cameron Brown. That's it. That is it. On, you only on the- threw two passes to true outside – to. Receivers who were taller than six feet. Another piece of evidence about the conservative approach when Ashford was on the field, often it was fair weather, two more tight ends. Mm-hmm. Coy, it was a Coy, lot of 22 and 23 yeah. personnel. Right. And and I was 13. And I, I mean, I sort of I do understand that you don't want the offense to put the defense in bad positions and scheming with that in mind uh, could actually be because we've seen Auburn's defense. You know when when depth challenges them, like you know, I I, I yeah. could see, but that that's not enough of an explanation, right? For like how how conservative this approach is. Maybe some of it. I mean, not, I'm not saying we'll we'll see as the Hugh Freeze era goes on how much of it is a lack of Hugh Freeze recruits in the in the system, the guys that Hugh Freeze has had a chance to develop over time in the system, but. Yeah, right. I mean, the the abandoning of the passing game, mm-hmm. m- maybe it's maybe it's out of uh, a ball control, you know, idea, you know, like m- maybe that's maybe that's what's at the core there. But yeah. it was it was a I mean, it was it was a tough go, to say the least, uh, Saturday night against Ole Miss. I, I mean, here. Here's the thing that is really and just one one more thing on the conservative approach. 17 sure. 17 pass attempts to 39 rushing attempts against Ole Miss on on Saturday night. That's a team where you feel like you're going to need to go in with like that just as a team like the split is and I know there are some pass plays that were called that didn't turn into but I mean by and large I mean they were close to I mean well, we, we're approaching sixty. So like, I, I mean, what, what's the what's the number there on, like four, forty of fifty-seven, rushing mm-hmm. attempt? Like, we're we're, mm-hmm. we're runs. So that's, I mean, that that is a, I don't know. That's that's. I mean, I, I get the ball control idea, but sure, you, you got to keep defenses off balance. The thing about the ball control, there's two things that this is this is a twofold issue to me. Number one. It ain't working. Uh, Free said this after the game when asked about tempo. 
He said, it appeared that we were better. Now, again, it's a little different. They talk about the final drive. When they have a two-touchdown lead and they're playing a little softer in coverage and not blitzing everything, we'll point out, though, almost did sack Thorne twice on that drive. Uh, some of that can be skewed. Later on, he says, I don't know how many plays our defense played that, but we need to look at that. If us trying to shorten the game is not helping them, we should probably try to pick up the tempo. Yeah, Auburn's defense held up pretty well against what Ole Miss is running. I mean, you keep Ole Miss from scoring and it was like a stretch of like seven or eight possessions. That should be enough. I mean, Auburn had, I think Auburn had the ball six or seven times in this game with a chance to take the lead, and they didn't do anything. They barely got any first downs. I mean, that's a, that's a, that is just like if you just turn one of those drives into a touchdown, it's a different ball game. And maybe you do that with pace. I don't think tempo is going to magically solve all of Auburn's problems. But the times they have kind of run the ball and and played with a little bit more tempo, it's made it work. Now, they've looked at the reality of this defense and they've seen it to be thin and not wanting to put them in those tough spots is one thing. But Freeze and Philip Montgomery both made names for themselves in their careers with tempo. And so it's to me, it just seems counterintuitive to run an offense that looks like it's built to play with tempo without it, knowing that like you're wanting to help out your defense. Your defense is getting healthier. Keontae Scott, Austin Keyes, both back in the game. Both those guys making plays on Saturday night. That is good. But, I mean, again, like uh, to, to paraphrase a, a very famous quote from history, at some point you just have to be like, I think for Auburn to I think you have to be like, hey, forget the torpedoes, y'all. Like we got you gotta go. You gotta go because there is no there is no proof that slowing down and playing this ball control football for Auburn is working. And part of the reason why it's not working is I mean, guys, if you're going to want to be, hey, we need to stay on the field, get long drives, work the clock, you might need to have something uh, other than what is currently in SEC play, the worst third down offense that any SEC team has had since at least 2015. Since 2015, Missouri was the only team that has been below that that percentage um, on third downs. And Auburn right now, I mean, it's bleak. It is bleak stuff. Auburn uh, currently <laughs> on third downs this season uh, is 22.64% in SEC play. So if you want to run this ball control offense and you want to stay on the field, well, this is not an offense that is built to beat, to sustain drives. Think about it. Like, let's just think about it. In this game, Auburn's three touchdown drives come off of what? One big run by Jarquez Hunter, which was good to see him get, get that explosiveness back and, 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 and really, I mean, have the game that he needed to have. A the short Kaufman, the Kaufman a short field, yeah, the That's short a- field created by the Donovan Kaufman interception, and then a late two minute drive, okay, where the where it's just the game flow, the game state is completely different. Go back to the Georgia game. Auburn's touchdowns come off of turnovers, shorter fields. Uh, LSU game, you take advantage of 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 some situations there in that game as well. Like this isn't a, hey, we're gonna march the ball down the field. 75 yards and work the clock. Like there just isn't really that much proof that this is what this kind of offense is. And while you want to help out your defense, I get that. I understand that you want to play complimentary football. The defense, I think at this point in the year has proven it is fully capable of carrying the load. And for Auburn, it's just, 
instead of trying to help them out as much as possible, you just need to help yourself out on offense and and move the ball and try to score and 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 do and and do whatever that takes. Now, I'm not saying go hammer down, play Lane Kiffin style football game. Maybe be more strategic in that because Auburn does when they get a bit explosive play, they can stack it up a little bit uh, and and you know and 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 run a big pl- run another play off of a big play, try to create some stuff there. But I, when you have an offense that does not have an identity, does not have a quarterback that they're confident in uh, to play full time, and is so laden with mistakes and self inflicted wounds. And, and 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 honestly, just does not look well coached right now. When you have all that together, I think the last thing you want to do as an offense is say, "Hey, let's see how many plays we can run. <laughs> let's see if we can let's see if we can take the air out of the ball and, and and work the clock." Because statistically, you're just not efficient enough to do that at all. You need to be able to say, well, if we can hit big plays and put points on the board, let's let's get it. You have to get that at any, at any way you can at this point. And for Auburn, it's like that that to me, Dan, you're talking about like what do you do on offense and like how do you change, how you fix it? That to me is like the only real thing I can point to and say, well, you could try this because, yeah, the personnel that they've got right now, seven games in the season, don't expect miracles and things change. Like even if you stick to one quarterback, I don't know what you're going to get out of that. But at least I think you can say, well, maybe tempo can help you out a little bit. And it looks like the players are more comfortable with it. Forget the torpedoes, y'all, I believe, is the uh, early leader for episode title after uh, what Justin said. That's not that that's not the name of the Tom Petty album, but it probably should be. Uh, but no, I think like, uh, yeah, you know, b- burn the boats is probably a good a good thinking with with this with, with this time left. in this. You know, we've been saying earlier in, in the season, Auburn probably isn't. Even even if they see themselves as a team that establishes it and runs the football, Auburn's probably not good enough to tell the defense beforehand that they're going to run the football and then try to run the football. And over and over again, I think especially in that third quarter, that stretch where Auburn goes, I mean, really from the start of the second half until the thorn interception in the back of the end zone, like it was it was often Auburn sort of, you know, Auburn, Auburn signaling to the defense that 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 a run was coming first and i would just i don't know i i would think that auburn probably needs to if even if they want to lean on the run as much as they did on saturday night which is going to be difficult if the offense is going to be successful uh but they they probably need to at least present the threat of the pass more credibly pre-snap you know when it's when it's robbie ashford and three tight ends on the field, I feel I think a defense can, you know, they they can overplay the run and and feel good about their chances. So, and maybe that's where Thorne needs to be on the field is because Thorne presents the threat of a pass to receivers more than I believe Robbie Ashford's only attempt to a receiver was the interception in the in the second half. Um, and so, like at, at least at least with uh, he he did have the third at Coymore. Oh, he had the he had the completion at Coymore. I do, I do take that back. But then they and then. The, the the pick the the, various, yeah both was, of the I, interceptions were into i think that was to and, i think it was to caleb i'm not sure i'm not caleb. sure yeah it's marked sure down it's marked down as javarius but i think it yeah i, think I did not see javarius run a play offensively uh, i i was not sure he was out there okay uh, okay he so the interception at least on 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 the stats 
and I, I'll have to go back and, and check the actual. I'm play. fairly certain that's to Burton. But... Bur- Peyton's interception. Oh, maybe I'm thinking no. Maybe yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm thinking of Peyton's interception. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did not think I saw Javarius out there, but according to PFF, Javarius played two plays. Okay. I was one of them. Apparently, was an interception. Um, And that's not an endorsement of one quarterback over the other. You know, I think they're going to they're going to reevaluate, you know, when the season's over where to go. But but at the moment, I would think that uh, if if you had to decide to play and and the fact that Peyton Thorne was out there on the last couple of drives, maybe maybe is a signal. But again, it just does not seem like this coaching staff has faith for Robbie Ashford to run the full offense. And until that changes, you're good. Auburn. Fans, you're gonna get Peyton Thorne and 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 you're still gonna like they're gonna still use Robbie Ashford. Like this two quarterback system is gonna be here to stay until they say, Hey, Ashford's gonna run the full scope of the offense in seven games in the year. I just I just don't think you're gonna get it. I just I I mean, unless something drastic changes here. Painter, I wanted to ask you, Dan and I are in the stadium. We're in the we're in the corner, we're in the press box watching. Um, and we've got our vantage point. You're obviously watching on TV from the bunker, and you probably I don't know. Are you a guy who listens to the color like the commentary on TV? Um, no, no, no disrespect, at least to the ones who don't deserve it. Um, to like people like the 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 TV commentary Terry Crews. I I find myself a lot of times in certain games just turning it like muting it as much as I can and just watching it. But I I do work a lot when I when I watch games. Um, I know Jesse Palmer had a lot to say about this offense in this quarterback room on 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 Saturday. Uh, from your perspective, from your vantage point, when Auburn had the ball, like what was what was going through your mind? What what were you seeing and kind of just. I don't know the 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 general reaction to what's going on from from your from your vantage point. To answer your question, I typically do watch with the commentary on. Sometimes I won't, but for the most part, I like to get their thoughts one way or the other. There was a possession at one point in the second half where, uh, actually, I think Justin Lee pointed it out. Uh, most of the air went out of the stadium, I think is how Lee actually mm-hmm. put it online. And and I would I would agree with that. That came across on television. The crowd was phenomenal. I know some of the players and Hugh Freeze gave credit to the fans for making it a tough environment on Ole Miss. I, I don't think I have anything about the offense that hasn't already been said. It's tough to watch. It's disappointing that to this point things haven't looked better. I've talked a good bit about this season teams showing improvement as the year goes on, even if the win-loss record isn't where you want it to be. Typically, you see some growth, maybe not every week. Some weeks are different. We talked about that with the LSU loss and how football is not statics, college football in particular. Um, So this is kind of a winding way of saying, I don't know what the answer is because it is true that they don't have the personnel that an Auburn team would typically employ. Conversely, though, as has been mentioned, the the talent excuse is sort of running out at this point in the season, basically until you play Alabama. Oh, so yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what the staff is going to do. We sort of joked about it at the beginning of the podcast, even if it was a little hacky on my part. Like, yeah, I'd try to throw the ball, but if you can't, I don't know what the answer is. It's got to be frustrating. Yeah, it's limited. You know, for, for the coaches because they have to go up there and talk about this, and they're all probably – I mean, if, if they knew what the answer was, they would have done it at this point in the season. Yeah, I keep going back to that. Like, Freeze, 
I think somebody asked him in the post game, like, why does this kind of all sound the same, look the same week to week? And he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know the whys behind it. I think it's a combination of things. It's true. It's a combination of things. It's not like that's the thing. I, I think I wrote this after the AM game. Like, you can't look at Auburn's offense and say, here's one thing that's wrong. And if they fix that one thing, everything will be better. Like, it could be a little bit better, but it, it's a it's a combination of things. Um, and you're right, like Painter, the 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 talent gap was not you didn't hear Freeze talk about that much after the game. Um, I know there was a comment that said like there was some talk about it. I think Palmer mentioned something about it that might have gotten it from Freeze in their in their meeting during the week. But like Ole Miss has a better quarterback than Auburn does. They had a receiver that they really, really liked uh as well, and he had a he had a good game. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of difference. Like you can't sit here and say, like, oh, Ole Miss has a much better roster than Auburn's. You could have said that against LSU and AM and Georgia. You didn't really have it in this game. And I don't know. Freeze has been very honest about like the talent gap. And I know that's rubs some of the some fans the wrong way with the fact that um they've lost these games. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten the sense that it was like, hey, you know, don't try hard because <laughs> you know. You, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it done against these guys. I think it's been more like like hey let's let's be realistic about where what we're up against here. And your results may vary on that. I, I know there's different people are gonna have different opinions on that, and, and I completely understand that. Um, but yeah, the talent gap thing just didn't really hold up, and it's not gonna hold up in these next few games because here's a stat: if you're thinking about you know packing it in for Auburn season, the next three games Auburn plays in SEC play, Mississippi State. Vanderbilt and Arkansas, they have a combined one and twelve record in league play, and the only win came from one of them beating the other one seven to three yesterday. So it's still gettable, and you get New Mexico State, you can still make a bowl game. I think Auburn needs a bowl game. I know some folks were like, hey, "There's no way this team's making a bowl game," or like, you know, why should we care about making a bowl game or like all that? It's like I get it. You're 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 mad. Things things look bad. Um, heat of the moment. Get it all, but like. This this team does need a bowl game. This team needs a chance to not have a losing record this year because that would still be progress. And like I think you you said it, Painter. Like they're three and four. This is kind of what the numbers said they would be at this point in the year. But it's the way it's gone about it that that is just so I think frustrating for fans to have to sit here and witness. Uh, and and you're right. If, if they had the answers. Probably at least trying by now. It does not look like they have any answers, and that's really tough to swallow if you're if you're a coaching staff. It's got to be because you were hired to fix this offense, and the offense has gotten worse. And at the at the bare minimum, that is that is that is bleak. That is bleak stuff. Even if you can just say, "Hey, you know what? We went in the transfer portal. We didn't inherit a ton. We went in the portal to try to make it. We didn't. We didn't get all of what we needed. Some of this hasn't worked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get all that. You should still be better than what you're putting out on the field. Bottom line. I mean, this is this is an Iowa like offense against Power Five competition, and that is that's that's not where Auburn needs to be. Um, you you made this hire and you and you brought the staff in to change it around. And I didn't say you needed to expect miracles this year. But you should have been. You should be better than this. I think anybody who's watching this should know that like Auburn should be better than what they're putting out on the field because we've seen teams across college football this year with backup quarterbacks and other first year coaches and brand new rosters and all that just look better moving the ball. And like in the case of LSU and 
Texas, or I'm sorry, LSU and Ole Miss these last couple of weeks, it's not like the defenses they're facing are this murderer's row. They're not the 85 Bears. You know, this is LSU had really, really struggled on defense, and Auburn didn't do much against them. Ole Miss hasn't been bad on defense. I, in fact, I think they've been better this year uh, with Pete Golding at the helm. But like, you're at home and you can't really put up much of anything at, except for a few scoring drives that, you know, either were created by an explosive play or a, a turnover. And that's, that's, that's really that's really tough for a lot of people to watch, and I get it. Well, it seems like Auburn right now is running two offenses, right? You got the the offense when Thorne's yeah. on the field, and the offense yeah. with Ashford yeah. on the field on that's a per point. on a per play basis. They're both below average, well below average in major college football. But and I think what what's extra frustrating about that is if it was just one quarterback struggling, you'd have the hope of well, maybe if you make the change. Uh, this new guy gives you a spark when two quarterbacks are taking turns struggling and, and quite literally taking turns, right? I mean, there were what there, it wasn't just third and long where Thorne would come in, right? I believe there was a third and one where, where, where Peyton Thorne checks in for, for Robbie Ashford. So the, the utilization of, of both guys, you know, I, I, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of thought goes into how you deploy these quarterbacks and, you know, you, you, you think about things like finding a rhythm. I have no idea how either quarterback can find a rhythm. I, I understand the struggles are the struggles, but you're, you're it's going to be real tough to find a rhythm when you, you see two quarterbacks hey, yeah. al- alternating like that, which is one of the reasons why it's not really done very often. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was asked for like sort of a a positive example of using two quarterbacks the way Auburn did last night and it's it's tough to I can't I can't think of one. It's tough to come up with a comp. Yeah, because you can come up with packages and be like, oh, there are times where you know you you use a quarterback to get in certain and in certain spots you say, hey, this guy might not be able to be our every down quarterback, but you know he can he can help us out in a it, it, it it's it, it's kind of ballooned and morphed into this like half and half close to scenario. It's not quite half and half, but um, it's not far off, um, and it just. Not a whole lot there, um, man. The third downs thing. I, I, I every just stat I look at it, it's just even worse, and it makes it makes it more confusing to me that they are going with this offense where they're trying to take the air out of the ball because it's just like you got to move the chains, and there's mm-hmm. like short yards, long yardage, medium yardage doesn't really matter. Auburn's struggling in in the, in in on third downs. They they got stopped on. I think they were two of five on third and shorts in this game. Obviously, they were they they got stopped on that first drive on a fourth and short. Um, how humiliating was that for Auburn to on that opening drive, um, you know, not convert the fourth and one, and then on third and a mile, Ole Miss runs the ball and gets to a fourth and one, and then converts the fourth and one that Auburn wasn't able to get. And like Auburn's defense, I should say this: Auburn's defense, they had their mistakes, they had their errors. Guys were left open. There were some bad penalties. There were there were some rough rough stuff. Got off to a, a rough start. To its credit, though, Auburn's defense could have easily packed it in. Could have easily been like last week against LSU and just said, "Oh, this ain't happening." Uh, shell shock, kind of fall apart. And they kept Auburn in the game and gave them an opportunity to to, to take the lead over and over and over and over again. And it didn't happen. Now, all those guys that talked after the game on the defensive side of the ball are all saying the right stuff 
And, and I think they true. And I think they truly be. I don't see this. You know, I don't see this thing of the defense just losing faith in the offense and falling off. They pointed to their own mistakes on those two touchdown drives that that uh, that Ole Miss scored on. I think there were some conversions and some errors and penalties that that hurt them. Um, they didn't want to use the offensive struggles as an excuse, which is again good and admirable. Um, and they feel like they could they could have played better. And like, yeah, you 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 can go back and look on film and and see, you know, mistakes and errors you made. But you're going to get that with everything, right? You know, no one's going to play perfect football. Um, and this Auburn defense is like it's a middle of the road SEC defense right now. The running game is kind of middle of the road as well, but. Going back to what you said earlier, Dan, like if you just don't have a threat to throw the ball downfield, you ain't got it. And like Ole Miss does not want to throw the ball a ton with Jackson Dart. Like I don't think Lane has got this like ultimate confidence in him to to chunk it around the yard. He's not Matt Corral uh, for them. Um, but they run and they run the ball a lot with him. But he at least had an outside receiver that could go down and make some plays, or, or just a receiver to go make some plays. They had you know he had Trey Harris had over hundred yards. And that was just the big difference in the game. And if you look back at it, the AM, the big difference in the game is that AM had two quarterbacks who could throw the ball downfield and Auburn didn't. And Georgia had a quarterback who could throw the ball down the field and Auburn didn't. And LSU had an, had a quarterback who could do everything and Auburn didn't. And in this game, Ole Miss had a quarterback who could throw the ball down the field and Auburn didn't. Like, there's your difference. There's your big difference in the in those games. It's all kind of sorted out differently on on, you know, in the ways it's gone about it has been different because every game is different but like when you when you break it all down at the end of the day it's the fact that these teams have a passing game that can at least be a threat even if they're not the kansas city chiefs like they have a threat to throw it down the field and auburn just does not they just don't and and i suppose you know it gets back to the question of would would this be would it be better if auburn were throwing it more and the offense was slightly better but there were more turnovers Right. Like, cause I guess that would be something you know, that that's, that's sort of the something to consider in encouraging a team to get more aggressive passing the ball is that bad things can happen when you throw the football too. At the same time, I mean, yes, Ole Miss wants to lean on their run game, but Lane Kiffin has much more trust seemingly in his quarterbacks to throw over the middle. Mm-hmm. And and put balls in position. You know what I mean? Like it just seems like yeah, there's, I mean, there's Auburn's a- only Auburn's only two shots downfield in this game were both interceptions into double coverage. Outside of that, they weren't really doing much of anything. It's a lot and, of quick stuff. And when I say you know 39 rush attempts, 17 pass attempts, that also like remember that Auburn was down 14 and mm-hmm. had a drive at the end of the game where they threw the ball on you know virtually every play. Now some of those were scrambles. Some you know. Thorne had 11 carries in this game, and he was sacked three times, I believe. So there's eight mm-hmm. carries. So he had some design runs, and there are some scrambles. Um, but, yeah, it's still like – I mean, Freeze said after the game, he's like, we wanted to run the ball, worth the clock. He's like, I, I just don't – maybe that was the wrong call. I mean, potentially. Um, here's another thing. and it, This stat this stat I found last night kind of kind of broke my brain a little bit when I saw it. So – Ole Miss had 21st downs in this game. Ole Miss, Ole Miss struggled on third and fourth uh, on third down. They were two of two of eleven, I think, on third downs in this game. Yeah, two of eleven. Um, they had two fourth down conversions as well. That means 16 of Ole Miss's 21st downs 
came on early dry, early downs. First turning first and second downs into other first downs. Auburn had 10 first downs in this game, which is not great at all. You get doubled up in that, Mark. Only three of them came on early downs. Because, again, you had no real downfield threat to throw. And so you might spring a good run or two, but you're just not getting, getting it out there. And, Painter, I want to go back to something you said, the air coming out of the building. I think I can pinpoint where it, where it was to me. So Auburn's got the ball. It is late third quarter. They have been in this – they have been in a terrible, you know, three and out fest. And it's 523 in the third quarter. Auburn takes the ball over. They're at the – you know, Ole Miss – they pinned Ole Miss back. Ole Miss goes three and out. Ball's at midfield. Batee four, you know, four yards on first down. Thorne seven yards on second down. They run Batie up the middle. He goes 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 for no gain, and then on second and ten, they run the double pass, and it didn't work at all. And it backfired spectacularly. And they held on to you know Garner held on to the ball for a while. Nothing looked like it was open. I don't know what all went wrong on that play. It's it supposed went, to it, it, is it supposed to be a wheel to Thorn? I think Thorn's supposed to run a wheel up the sideline after throwing yeah, the pass to Garner. I didn't. And- I didn't. Yeah, it just it, it didn't work. Whatever it was, it was it was it was bad. And then you punt the ball two two plays later, and you pin them. You pin it goes in the end zone for a touchback, but there is a hold, so the ball is at the ten. And then at the ten on the ten, the next drive, Ole Miss converts a third and three with a deep ball, goes deep again. Uh, Austin Keys gets hit with a with a penalty. Quinshot Junkins runs for ten yards on first down, and they score two plays later. So that's where it kind of went out because, like, Auburn had the ball at midfield. They had, they got to the 40. It was in technically scoring range. They had a first and 10 at at the 40-year inside, which is an echo you know, from our friend Parker at Stats of War. Like, that is a scoring opportunity in college football. And they went backwards, and then they punted, and they pinned the team deep, and then they gave up a, a touchdown immediately after that. And so it was only a seven-point game. But you go into the fourth quarter. Lane Kiffin said this after the game um, in his in his press conference. You go into the fourth quarter, and Auburn's got the light show and swag surfing and all that, and it just felt ugh. Because like, even though it was just a seven point game, I don't know if there was anybody in that building that really, really thought that Auburn was going to come back. And then they go three and out. They get an illegal substitution on third and one. I believe it was changing quarterbacks again, which was rough. I mean that that right there is just as bad as it can as as to, as, to be clear, going from Ashford to Thorn yeah. on on third and one and drawing the the uh, the the twelve man penalty, and then they punt and then Ole Miss scores again, and Auburn does not have any life until that 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 last drive, and it's just like I said at the beginning, it's a seven point game when it was all said and done. But it felt so much worse because it's just more of the same from the offense. And your defense played better a week later. Your offense didn't really play a ton better, if at all. I mean, it's just they they they, they took advantage of a short field and, and got a big run and then had a two-minute drive. I mean, at the end of the day, that was it. This this that's what's so frustrating I know for Auburn fans is because you're just seeing the same thing over and over again and you're hearing the same thing from the coaching staff over and over again and it's like yes 
This is year one. You're setting up. You're trying to build for the future. Marcus Harris said that after the game. I thought it was a really good quote from him. You can check that out in the observations. It's towards the end in the quote of the night. All that's true. But in order to maximize what Auburn wants to do in recruiting and building for the future and getting people to buy in, there has to be a proof of concept. Because it's hard. It's harder, at least, for a coaching staff to say, hey, well, when we get our players in, it's going to work. And it's like, ah, it's gotten worse with with the same guys and I mean, also keep in mind, like over half of this, over half of this roster was brought in by this this coaching staff. It's not like you know, it's not like they inherited all of Arson's old teams and just had to run with it. Like, no, they 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 overall this roster. It just has not worked, and it has gotten worse. And it is it is going to make life a lot more difficult on this coaching staff to sell this program to recruits, to people who want to donate money, to fans who want to continue to be excited. If there's not a tangible, like, hey, things are going to get better. There's an opportunity for it to get better down the stretch still. And like we said, three and four is not necessarily just stunning to be where Auburn is right now. But it shouldn't be as bad as it's been on the offense, and it's really killed their defense. Nathan King had this I mean, had this great stat Sunday morning. Um, you know, Auburn has played four SEC opponents. They've held three of them to ten – points or more under their season average and they've lost all of those games defense is doing its job for the most part i know the lsu game they look bad but lsu will do that to a lot of people it's just you got to be better on offense it should not be this bad it doesn't matter who is playing for you i'm, I'm glad you mentioned the atmosphere in the stadium because i thought it was i mean fourth home game where you couldn't have really asked the folks, you know, coming to the games or, you know, the, the, you know, it was it was a from from the moment the gates opened a, a first rate atmosphere. The Metallica halftime show was fun. Stuff that like was that. really good. Wasn't yeah. that cool? Yeah, there, yeah, there was some cool. some neat stuff there. But uh, no, just a uh, the I think it's it's frustrating to see such an overly conservative approach in games that feel like one score games or games that could come down to the wire if the offense provided just a little bit more. And I think you're absolutely right, Justin, the one, two punch of the failed trick play, which would be your third, your third unsuccessful drive of the third quarter in a tie game. Like what feels in that moment, like a winnable game. It's the third straight drive you've had coming out of halftime where you've just done nothing. I think a three and out uh, to, uh, to, 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 to start the second half. And then I think that and then Ole Miss's pickup of the third and two with the pass play, that one-two punch of Auburn, you know, getting getting holding sacked when they or whatever, whatever you call that. And then Ole Miss picking up theoretically on, a sack, yeah. a sack on on a on a double pass. What whatever you want to call that, a rushing attempt by Holden. But yeah, but between Auburn on that that trick play that blew up that third drive of the the second half, and then Ole Miss getting that that first down like that was when even in a tie game you felt like momentum was really on the side of one team and sure enough that's the team that ends up winning it's it's brutal it is brutal a lot and they've got to change something i don't know what it is i think tempo could be a big part of that especially with what we were saying earlier like the way this offense is working it just doesn't make sense to be the efficient ball control offense when you don't have efficiency um you have looked better at pace I think there is at some point where you're 
I don't know. I just get the vibe from the defense, especially as they get healthier, to just be like, I think they would just love some help on the scoreboard more than some help on the time of possession. Because even though Ole Miss, Ole Miss finished the game with a nine and a half minutes more in time of possession and played 18 more plays, and that was a gap that existed pretty much throughout the game. Like it, it started that way and kind of finished that way. It wasn't like, wasn't like it got out of hand. I think the Georgia game, it, it only got out of hand in the fourth quarter with that. It, this one, Ole Miss had an advantage, and they held on to it for most of the game. I think they would much rather at some point be benefited by having support on the scoreboard more than support in the in the snap count. And maybe that's something you change. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be hard to have a passing game without anything from your outside receivers and just having our overly round slot guys and tight ends. On top of that, the two quarterback thing, I just th- there's just no proof that it's working. Especially when you get into those situations where on third down you're you're switching quarterbacks and it just doesn't it doesn't result in anything. Like I, I this might be purely anecdotal or like in my in my brain, just I, I don't remember a time where Auburn's gone to Thorne on third down after having Ashford and just being like, well, and it worked and they picked it up. Like maybe it's happened once or twice, but it just hadn't happened very often. And so those things are. Who was on the field on the on the Jarquez direct snap score? Was that Thorn? Thorn. That was Thorn. Thorn Yeah, they they motioned Thorn out to kind of do like a like they they basically it's a cool set. I like the play a lot. Where it's like you go into a you go into kind of like a stack shotgun. There was like some like some some wing action there, and then you motion out your quarterback basically to turn it into a turn it into a wildcat out of you know out of nowhere and that that's a cool play i like that design and there's some i mean look there's some plays and some designs that are just good ideas and 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 when they work they look nice but just way too often it just isn't working and it's just the identity of this team is non-existent on offense and you don't seem to have faith in either quarterback it's just gonna be harder for you to do much anything and why I think there's some of Auburn's offensive problems where it's just like, well, the way the roster is this year and 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 the way certain places are like wide receiver, there's only so much you can do. But I mean, it's just I I don't think Auburn fans and I don't are are going to be like, well, just stick with it. You know, the more they stick with it and they and they do the same things, the less, you know, the le- the more that goodwill starts to erode and evaporate even even from the folks that are wanting to be very patient and and give and and give this coach and staff some time which you should you know they're they're going to need time to rebuild this roster but in the meantime you got to have a proof of concept you've talked about i mean we let's go back to sec media days let's go back to i mean what marcus harris said on on saturday night for a lot of these older guys on this team and there's a decent amount of older guys on the on this team that are having to play a lot they were talking about building a bridge and setting the foundation at least on offense you just don't have much of a foundation to go off of because at this point, if you if you fast forward to the end of the season for Auburn, you say, hey, what does Auburn's offense look like in 2024? You're like, well, shoot, they're going to have to get – who knows what it's going to look like because they're going to have to bring in more guys and 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 change some things up a ton. And who knows what it's going to look like in terms of personnel. But, so, so, oh. yeah, but that's the thing. It's like you got to start – I think at Auburn, at some point for Auburn, you've got to start – you got to start going with – what makes sense and changing some stuff up just to, just to try it. Cause I think people would at least appreciate trying something new. If, if it, even if it doesn't always work, because what, what you're doing right now is just not going to work. There is no proof that this is going to work. And even what coming up, you've got 
uh, State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, or not in that order, State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, New Mexico State, all right? Auburn's three and four. They got four games that are really winnable. And, you know, remember the Iron Bowl, Alabama's playing a lot better football here recently. Uh, they took it to Tennessee after after falling behind early in that game. Um, you can still make a bowl game. You can still finish with a winning record. Like, that, that is still possible. And the teams you're about to play are – even worse that I mean, you've played four straight ranked opponents or somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I can't remember what AM was at that time. Um, but like the second half of SEC play, we had always said was going to be more favorable for you, but you got to take advantage of it. And if you look like this on offense right now at home. I'm not. It, there's no guarantee you're gonna you're gonna just say, "Oh, it looks bad against this," but wait until we play Mississippi State and Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Like, bad is bad, and and if bad travels, uh, it doesn't matter how good the other team is on that side. If you're making those same mistakes and having all these same execution problems, it's gonna be tough to win. It's gonna be tough to win no matter what. So you have an opportunity here, and we keep saying it week after week. What's gonna change? What's gonna be different? I mean, I can see I can see the logic of saying like, well, the, the the opponents are about to get easier. So what if if we stick to our guns and, and go with our plan, it, it it might still work. I just I I don't I don't see the proof of that. Bad is bad, also potentially a title of, of the episode. We'll see if uh if, if if that makes it up there. Justin, I would I I would wonder, and you pour into the numbers uh more than I do about this, could one of the explanations for Auburn being such a conservative offense at the moment and and not attempting as much downfield as virtually anyone else in the league. Are there concerns about Auburn's ability to protect the quarterback? And that's why they're not throwing it. I mean, because again, just, just throwing some out of it. potential there's some, there's explanations. Some, yeah. yeah. There's, maybe, some, there's some of that. Like maybe one of the reasons why they won't flip the switch and go to an air raid offense that asks Peyton Thorne to throw it 30 or 40 times a game is because there's not just concerns about turnovers, but also maybe maybe they don't feel like they could protect a quarterback with that kind of offense. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like again, I was just because yeah. I because we haven't talked about the offensive line. I don't know how they how they held up in in pass protect last night. Felt like there were times when the quarterbacks were on the move early, uh, but you know that's been that's been the case in other games too. Looks like Thorn. Looks like Thorn, according to PFF, Thorn dropped back twenty-two times. He was pressured ten of those times, so not great. But I don't know. I, I just the offensive line I, it has gotten better in run blocking. It isn't a dominant force. I think they have played better if they can play clean. I thought it was something that Connor Lou, like you, you lose Avery Jones in this game, and Connor Lou. We haven't mentioned that yet. You bring in Connor Lou, the true freshman, and and he. He plays pretty well in this game. You you did play Muskrat some at right tackle as well. Um, yeah, I just I, there seems to be like it goes back to just not having faith in your receivers. Like Thorne is scrambling a lot, and and sometimes it's worked and and has, has made plays happen. But there are other times when just dudes aren't open. I mean, I think about a there's like a rollout or something on a third down, and it's just nobody, no, just nothing, nothing there, um, and. Yeah, it's part of it for sure. I'll say this, Dan. I think more of what – because we've seen teams that have pass protection issues throw it deep downfield. Ole Miss is one of them. Um, 
I think Auburn's lack of passing game, downfield passing game, has more to do with the fact that you don't have – you're not winning with your outside receivers very often at all, and you're, you don't have – you don't have a confident quarterback or confidence in your quarterback, either one. And I think that's, that's a twofold thing. All right. Um, any, any other final thoughts on, on Auburn Ole Miss? I do want to talk some basketball um, here because we did get to see um, a lot. I mean, we got to see 30 minutes worth of scrimmaging on, uh, on in that open practice on Saturday. I know, I know some of y'all were there uh, who were in Auburn got to watch it. So we do want to talk that, but any, any final thoughts from either y'all on, on, on the football side, painters shaking his head. Uh, damn. Well, can I, can I ask painter? Um, so ha- painter, have you seen anything in the first seven games or so of the Hugh freeze era that, that shakes confidence that this thing will, and especially lately, or, or do you still feel like people should keep the faith and, and, and remember that he had to assemble a team largely on the fly? I understand the frustration of the fans who say it should look better to this point because it should. However, if I'm going to be the kind of person that talks about how important the players are and how much talent typically is more important than coaching, it does seem a little bit hypocritical to jump on here and be like, well, this, this staff just can't get it done. You know, it's like, I, I understand why people would watch the last couple games in particular and go, Hey, you know, the record is what it is, but we, we want to look more competent. All of that checks out. I do think it must be a really tough position to be in as a play caller, as a coach, when you realize that what you have doesn't necessarily, the pieces, the parts don't work together very well. Um, and that does open you up to some fair criticism, right? Like as Fergus pointed out, this is not just a, an entirely inherited roster that, that Freeze and his staff have from from Harson. So, sure, some of the blame lies with them. But the idea that the staff can't get it done after um, a month of some pretty bad football, quite frankly, to me that that's not that's not a calculation I'm making yet. Now, if they drop a stinker or two in some games coming up where they'll probably be favored. Yeah. Then you know, I'd, I again, I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't go straight for this staff just can't get it done like that to me wouldn't make sense, but it it would make me raise an eyebrow. Yeah, the thing is, is Auburn now you got to win two out of these next three SEC games in order to make a bowl. Um, you know, granted, you need a New Mexico State win um, because I don't think you want to have your bowl eligibility on the line in the Iron Bowl. I don't. And I don't man, that Cal game right now. Oh they, my goodness. <laughs> That Cal game, and we we talked about it at the time. I honestly thought that Auburn was going to. I sort of thought Auburn would get to seven and five, and they they very well still might. But um, when people were saying, "Oh, well, that that Cal game might be important for your bowl eligibility," I was like, "That might be a little bit of an overreaction." Well, maybe, maybe not. Well, here's the thing: uh, our our buddy Jerry Hennon just literally just tweeted this. I'm looking at tweet deck while while we were recording, um, and I think this is a good point from Jerry. He said, "Good news that there is." Isn't any practical difference between Auburn finishing six and six and eight and four this season and Auburn's remaining schedule means six six and six is still highly likely. But man, Freeze needs to thank each and every lucky star he's got for this season's schedule and Cal's kicker. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, you need some fortune as well in this game. Uh, I mean, we saw that last year when like Auburn should have lost against Missouri and 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 did not. But like, yeah, this is 
you know, it is, it is really turned. But yeah, and I think Jerry's point is a good one. It's like, yeah, it, I think eight and four. I think eight and four would have been above expectation. You could at least rally something. But in the grand scheme of things, just making a bowl and getting to getting a winning season, you know, it's not even about the bowl of, games so much. Although that's a nice little like check mark practices. But the practices really, if you're a first year coach, I mean, I mean. I mean, in my opinion, you get to a bowl game potentially. Like, say you Auburn gets to seven wins this year, however way they can do it, seven and six, or if they get seven and five in the regular season. However, Auburn can get to it. It's like that is tangible progress. You can say, okay, mm-hmm. well, we were better on paper than we were the last two years, and all right, if we get these guys rolling, we can we can set it up. And like, there's still room to do that. But you're right, like it's had to come with like, oh wow, thank you, Cal, like. You know, thank you for missing missing out on those opportunities. And it's not the end of the world, to be clear, if if Auburn doesn't achieve that. As we've said, Oklahoma, Miami, Florida all took a step back in year one under a new coach. And now in year two, all of those programs seemingly have uh, yeah. taken Yeah, I'll just say this, Dan. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to cut you off there, but like I will say this is if they don't make a bowl game this year, it, they go five and not, seven, it's it's gonna be tough. Not so. ma- not making a bowl game would be would yeah. be a I mean it would be a disappointment. I, I would still think that Hugh Freeze would be able to. It just feels like the good recruiters can sell it seemingly no matter what. If things are going well, you can say come be a part of this, and if things aren't going well, you can sell. You know, you can be part of the turnaround, and a lot of it just seems on. You know, it's it's the messenger, and and that's where yeah, I'm I'm curious to see. You know, given another year or two, uh, what the roster looks like, but if things you know, we're we're seeing some things that do make you wonder, you know, how much of it is exclusively related to talent on the roster. Let's take care of some business and let's talk some basketball. Uh, hi, um, if you enjoyed this show, which you probably didn't quote enjoy it as much as um, endured it with us, um, you can uh, you can you can listen to more of that e- each week as we do all of our preview podcast uh, behind the paywall. Uh, comes out usually on Thursday mornings. Uh, auburnobserver.com so you get all the free ones here the recap ones will remain free preview ones will be uh, behind a paywall um, and uh, all of the newsletters as well uh, so all of our writing on auburn football and men's basketball including some men's basketball I had some stats and some observations that went up after the open practice on on saturday for the uh, just subscribers were the only ones who got that email uh, so you get to check that out on the site as well we'll have more basketball as we get ramp up getting closer to the season and, and of course, we'll continue to go full, uh, full fledged football coverage uh, here for the rest of the way as Auburn tries to really turn around the momentum and, and salvage what still could be a, a, a solid season in the grand scheme of things. Again, got to gotta get better on offense for sure. Um, AuburnObserver.com, it is $6 a month, month or $60 a year to subscribe. We email everything out to you. So as soon as the podcast drops, as soon as the newsletter comes out, you will know about it. Usually about 6 a.m. Central Time. Uh, most mornings, uh, this podcast is one of the only ones that comes out later in the day because we record it uh, later in the day on Sunday. So subscribe. You get everything we've got going on. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to have some more fun stuff uh, as we get closer and closer to basketball season as well. Also, you can help out the show by doing what, Painter? Rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars, a quick line or two. Follow the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Yes, it helps us out tremendously to 
subscribe uh, or follow or whatever the whatever the button is now uh, on um, on Apple Podcasts. You can go five stars on Spotify, and there I'm sure there's some other ones where you can give us some feedback as well. It helps us out a ton. It gets more people on the product, and so we appreciate it greatly. Um, I will say that uh, we are uh, if if you're one of those people who like to hear um, your name called out on a podcast if you think that's cool even though we're a bunch of dorks leave a leave a review and uh we will definitely read it out on the air homefield apparel also let's shout out homefield homefield is the number one place to get collegiate vintage apparel folks i'm just gonna say this i'm just gonna say this and i want you to want you to be mindful that i cannot i cannot divulge every detail that i know i am not a i am not a newsbreaker i am not a I'm not a hard-nosed reporter by any means. I, Painter, I write, play the music. Play the breaking news music. Justin's going to say something huge. All right. What do you got, I'm Justin? Just a, I'm just a writer. I'm an analyst. I, I, I do that. But every now and then, every now and then, I get I get a scoop. Folks, home field this week. You're going to want to keep an eye on some things. Might be Auburn fans. You might get rewarded with something here this week. I'm just saying. Just siren, keep, siren emoji. Siren keep an, emoji, keep an eye multi- multiple ones. We're on alert so, here. Homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to buy collegiate vintage apparel. We're talking t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, joggers, bomber jackets, and more at homefieldapparel.com. You are going to get the most comfortable stuff you're going to buy with the coolest logos that you're going to find anywhere. It's not just Auburn stuff either. If you have any other school that you love or care about, or just like their like the way they look, you can get it at homefieldapparel.com. Uh also, um you can get the Auburn Observer t-shirt. Uh I saw I saw one of them in the wild the other day. From a distance, I saw somebody wearing one outside the game on Saturday. And I was they were like far off like in a like in a way off away from me that I couldn't like and I was heading somewhere and I couldn't really get to them. But if that was you Thank you very much. That made did my you po- day. Did I you was... point at him like Rick Dalton? Did you? I, I did. I, I wanted to. I wanted to be like, hey! But, I mean, it was it, we were in a crowd of people. But it was really, really cool to see. Um, you can get that at Homefield Apparel by searching Auburn Observer at homefieldapparel.com. You can get 15% off your first order from Homefield Apparel if you use the promo code OBSERVER23. That is OBSERVER23 at checkout. All right, boys. Let's talk some basketball. Curtis Blow edition. Um, we... Uh, we got to watch, and by we, I mean, we get to watch practice all the time. It's one of the great things about covering Bruce Pearl and his program is that the the amount of access we get is just, I mean, it's leaps and bounds above most college programs anywhere, um, football or basketball. But at open practice, um, everybody gets to see it, and everybody kind of gets to get gets an opportunity to check it out. So we got to be, you know, usually when we – Go to these practices. We don't report on on anything as part of the exchange. But when everybody's opened up, we get to let uh, you know everybody gets to see it, and and we get to kind of share it with y'all. For those of you who aren't able to get to uh, the arena on Saturday, um, the format broke down kind of like this. Uh, you had ten minutes where the the ones the, the scholarship players for the most part there's there, there's a couple of scholarship guys or scholarship adjacent guys on the scout team went up against the scout team. Um, you know Auburn's Auburn's main guys put on a show there had a lot of big plays on both ends of the floor and then they did two 10 minute scrimmage periods so you get to the equivalent of a half half basically 
uh, where Auburn um, split into the starters from that first game and then the backups, and then they switched up the teams. They they mixed and matched some guys on the you – know, Bruce looked like he was experimenting with some lineups in that second 10 minutes. Um, the biggest takeaway for me, guys, and I know this will make some Auburn fans pretty excited, uh, Auburn's youth – we talked about this with uh, Bruce Pearl mentioned this at, at media days last week. The only place on the floor where Auburn just doesn't have a ton of experience is point guard, which can be tough because, you know, it's the quarterback of your team in basketball. Um, I was extremely impressed by the way the point guards played on Saturday. Um, you had a, a in the uh, in the 20 and, and the stats I'm going to shout out here the rest of the way are when those guys went you know, good on good, basically, when they had the mixed squads in, in the 20 minutes after the scout team worked. Um, 13 assists to three turnovers for your point guards. I don't think Aiden Holloway missed a three at any point on Saturday in the open open scrimmage, uh, open practice. Uh, he had a couple of them from really deep. They they ran some DHOs, dribble handoffs, where he just, you know, just curled and fired, and, and it was just really, really pure. Um those guys played really, really well. And I think there's some of you who might be thinking, well, they played well against each other on offense. That means they played poorly on defense. Wasn't always matched up on each other. Uh, Auburn has done some things where they've experimented by by playing. Like when Aiden's on the floor, I've, I've noticed in the, some of these scrimmages, like Aiden, um, you know, has been guarded by like a Denver Jones or, or you know, a, a, an off-ball guard. Um, so it's a little bit of a mix and match. I do think defense is going to ultimately – and defense and and what you can help out with on the rebounding, even though it's not a huge point guard thing, that's going to determine who starts these games. But, I mean, both those guys played really well. Aiden obviously shot the lights out, um, had some great assists, great vision from him. Uh, and then Trey Donaldson did more than hold his own. I uh, thought he was very impactful on the defensive end of the floor. He's got using that bigger size and length to to make some plays. Had really good vision. Um you know, dunked the ball a couple times, drove drove the lane, hit some shots, hit hit a really good mid range uh, at one point as well. Um, this is the one part of the team where it's like the potential is high, but you don't know where the floor is because you know uh, these guys are pretty new to it, uh, to, new to college basketball, and um, then I think I think a lot of people that can be excited about what they saw if you were there on Saturday from what they saw from the point guards. The basketball, uh, uh, the, the the battle for point guard, like between Donaldson and Holloway, it it's, I mean, it's important because one of these guys is going to get to start and be, you know, and, and assume that sort of leadership role that the point guard naturally takes. Auburn's going to need both of them. I mean, you think about the the Final Four team, right? Like Jared Harper was crucial, but there were big minutes for Javon McCormick on that team. Mm-hmm. as well and and I would think that e- even if it becomes clear that one of these guys is going to play more than the other and I don't know how it's going to shake out I suspect Auburn is going to need contributions from both Holloway and Donaldson and to hear the positive reports because there's been a lot of Donaldson buzz this oh, offseason yeah. he's, play- he's and, played really well and, and this is you know as we've pointed out this is the first offseason of his life where he hasn't also had football as a uh, as you know, not not of his life. I'm sure when he was three or four, you know, he wasn't weighing both sports. But it, it, it's the first off season in a long time where he wasn't also a football player. And you wonder being able to focus solely on basketball if if that's helped him 
uh, break through in, in any way. And as you've pointed out a couple of times, Justin, with Holloway, you know, th- there are off seasons where Holloway's arrival would be the story. But oh, because yeah. because of what Auburn brings back, what they've also, uh, you know, th- what they've also brought in, uh, it's it's not necessarily the case, but he could be a huge part of whatever Auburn does this year. Absolutely. Um, Chris Moore. Let's talk about Chris Moore real quick. Chris Moore well, got the got the start at the three. Uh, my brother, uh, my brother, who is who's a big basketball guy, um, knows infinitely. If, if it ever feels like I write something smart about basketball, I probably picked it up from my brother. Uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, my brother has started calling Chris Moore the junkyard dog, which I love that nickname for him because it's that style. Chris Moore in that in those two ten minute periods. 16 points, led all scores, five of seven from the field, four of four from the free throw line, got to the line credit, six boards, two assists, two assists, and a block. Vintage Chris Moore, like hustle, 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 making a lot of plays happen. Um, he got to he he got downhill, he played physically, got into traffic, got to the line, absorbed contact, made plays on defense. You know, Chris is gonna talk a ton on defense as well. Um, did a lot of that stuff that you really like. It's a very interesting battle between him and Chad Baker Mazzara. Chad Baker didn't hit any threes in that in that in that period, but he did do a pretty good job on the boards uh, and, and and got downhill as well. Um, Chris Moore, I mean, senior year, Chris Moore. This is uh, you know he's not a guy that is going to light up the box score every now and then, but I think in a in a scrimmage like this where you see him like doing the dirty work scoring, like like getting getting rewarded with some of that. Um he looks he's moving better. He's slimmed down this offseason looks more explosive back in that natural three role, which I think is a is a is a better fit for him at this level. Um but Chris Moore really played well at the on the wing uh and you need more more of that kind of stuff uh there. Uh Chandy Johnson had had a dozen uh Auburn didn't hit a ton of threes outside of the outside of the the point guards. Both of those went two for two in those stretches, but Chaney Johnson, again, doing a lot of the stuff that you're going to expect Chaney Johnson to do this year, which is uh, score, get in, out in transition, run, finish breaks, dunk, rebound. Um, he played really well uh, in that. And then uh, a mixed bag game for Janai Broom. Um, you know, shot a good bit of threes because they were leaving him open. Not the most efficient game from him or scrimmage from him half. You got to remember these are this is basically like an equivalent of a half of basketball. I think the one thing that's I, that has stood out to me about Janai uh, here this off season that that is that has really popped out, um, it's his vision. He's going to get a lot of attention on him this year. Auburn's going to run stuff through him, whether it's posting him up and going inside with him, or even on the outside when they go five out on, on certain sets and in certain situations. I think Janai's vision and passing have gotten better. I think Auburn knows that, you know, he's going to get doubled a lot. And, like, they have really worked on it. It's like, hey, when you get the ball and you don't have to get it out of your hands, make good plays. He made a couple of good, just really, like, nice, um, you know, backdoor cut throws and, and stuff like that, and getting, to the, getting to the rim, getting to the basket, um, for you know, creating for other guys. So, you know, no one's going to probably look at those those numbers from his from, from that stretch and say, wow, that was an incredible offensive game for, or, you know, half for, for Janai. But in a scrimmage, I thought he played well uh, in, in some of the ways that you don't necessarily think that Janai Broom is going to be your your big guy there. Uh, and, and, you know, he won that matchup against against Dylan Carwell um, you know, on both ends of the floor pretty well. Uh, 
Got Jalen Williams had six six rebounds, uh, six and six, two assists, a couple turnovers as well. I think the one thing that stood out to me from the scrimmage that I don't want to say it's a red flag or alarming, but it's just say just something that that surprised me. Denver Jones, uh, two of six from the field, oh three from deep. Didn't really shoot a lot uh, on on Saturday. Um, I I thought he might have. I thought he might have hunted a shot a little bit more in this, but he, he didn't. But played decently well. Got some steals. Uh, got some boards. Uh, got downhill. I think he had two really good finishes in traffic uh, when his jumper wasn't there. Uh, I said this the other day after the um, after the pro day scrimmage, and I want to say it again here. Like, don't get don't get too locked into when a shooter doesn't have a good night. Great shooters are going to have off nights. I mean, I've I've watched plenty of Steph Curry games where he doesn't he has he hasn't gotten. That's going to happen. That's just how shooting is. That's how shooters are. Um, but if you can impact the game in other ways and bounce back, it's big. Case in point, not a great shooting performance from the point guards in that pro day scrimmage. Excellent one this time around. Kind of flip for Denver Jones as well. It's going to happen. But the good news for Auburn is they feel like they have a they have an offense that can they have guys to pick each other up, and uh, that's going to be that's going to be a big thing. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I keep watching this offense, and like they're, it's further ahead in their, than their defense. The defense is going to be a work in progress. I think the team in general is going to be a work in progress. Uh, they're not going to be expected to win that game against Baylor in South Dakota. There's going to be some really tough non-conference matchups they have to play. It's going to take up some time, and uh, but the ultimate goal I think for this team is to be playing your best basketball in SEC play, and, and they're going to have a chance to do that. But I think those of y'all who watched them on Saturday, who were got to be there, or you've seen that. I can tell you this: the offense is a, is 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 improved. Like is this is this is a, an offense that has that it's just freer flowing, and they're creating more things. Not it's not perfect all the time, uh, by any means. But you're not seeing Auburn kind of gum up, you know the you know and and have some of the same struggles uh, in terms of just getting to where they want to go uh, on this. The the offensive upgrades have have really seemed to stand out. Fellas, anything uh, y'all want to know or talk about from from the from the basketball side, Dan? I'm really curious to see, you know, especially once Auburn starts playing, you know, live opposition, you know, what what the defense looks like and and how sort of the new transplants have taken to that Bruce Pearl uh, flavor of defense because it it can be a change for guys who didn't play in a system like that. So I'm thinking Holloway, Denver. Uh, even I, I guess to an extent, Cheney Johnson. Although he seems to have, you know, all, all reports are that really all of them have, have bought into what Bruce Pearl expects, not just from uh, f- from guys with the ball, but but from uh, f- from players on the defensive side. Uh, it's 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 a defense that I mean, there was a there was a stretch in the scrimmage where the 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 starters got a got a got a real talking to from Bruce. Just saying, like, hey guys, you gotta pick it up. Like, you're getting tired. You're not calling out stuff. You're giving up easy baskets. Like, you know, step up. Like, this is you know a real teaching moment, real learning, learning moment there. And there's some rotations and some and some um, communication that could definitely be better and tightened up on. I I don't think this is going to be. I wrote about this in the mailbag on Saturday. I don't think this is going to be like a lock you down in the half court defense like we've seen in the last two years. I think they're gonna have to press more. I think they're gonna have to gamble a little bit more to make up for that. Um this is not a team that has just, hey, we can defend you five on five, you know, really, really well all the time. 
They can funnel some stuff to Janai. They've got some guys who can make plays. I do think they're better strength in the backcourt because it's so new and, and at some places young. I do think their strength in the backcourt is creating some havoc with guys like Trey and uh and and Katie, obviously. And we've seen some of this from Denver and 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 CBM and and, and even Aiden at times. Um Chris Moore, obviously. That backcourt might be a little bit more of the the create turnovers and 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 get out run type. And that's gonna feed into their offense as well. I do think that's part of the I do think it's part of the defense strategy that's gonna work really well for Auburn is that you know, even if they're not the lock you down in the half court, if they can gamble and press and get in passing lanes a little bit more, it's going to naturally build them up to to run the floor. I did not see very many times on Saturday where Auburn had a chance on on a, on a defensive rebound or a steal or anything like that. Like they pushed it and they didn't pull it out and like and try to work it after that. Like most of the time, it's just hey, full speed ahead. Let's get let's get you know your secondary break. Uh, in there and and see what you got. So really, really impressed with with the point guard play, really impressed with some of the guys out there. Overall, the team, it's going to be a work in progress. Defense is going to be a work in progress, but um, they're going to have time to to figure it out. And uh, I think Jalen Williams said, said it best at media days. I asked him about playing Baylor. Um, I thought Bruce's answer about playing Baylor was great because, I mean, this is the first time in a long time Auburn has started a year with a really good team. Uh, and he said, you know, we're not scared. And we want to stay relevant. I asked Jalen about the the Baylor game at media days last week, and he said it's going to be a really good litmus test of where we are right now. And like lining up against the Scott Drew team and seeing where you're at. I mean, I know Baylor's having to you know retool its roster this offseason, but uh, Auburn's going to get a whole lot of a whole lot of info on themselves really really early. And I think that's going to be that's going to be a great sign for this for this program, um, win or lose in South Dakota and. Again, I, statistically, they are not expected to win that game, so we will see. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they what, what they can do. I think this is. I think this team is going to be more entertaining for sure. All right, I think that's going to do it, folks. Thanks for listening. We will be back on Thursday to preview Auburn, Mississippi State. We might talk a little more basketball in there as well. We're getting closer to exhibition time, season opener. It's going to get fast and furious here. This is a, this is a perfect time to sign up for the Observer because we're giving you football and basketball stuff all the time, and it's just a ton of stuff coming out uh, pretty much every day of the week in your email inboxes, auburnobserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year. That'll do it from me. Painter, final thoughts. Did you all go see your new DiCaprio movie? I really liked it. Yeah. I I, I – I got done with the movie, and so dad, my dad and Dan and Adam Cole and I all watched it together. It was a great moment. Um, we watched the, it the on the big, on, the big four, as a lot yeah. of people call us. The on th- my dad, my dad read the book that Killers of the Flower Moon is based on, and and really, really enjoyed it. Um, and so he really wanted to see the movie. And I'll tell you this: no spoil. We're not going to spoil anything in here for you, but I'll say this. I got done with the movie and I looked at my dad and said that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I, and I and I and I I firmly believe that. Like it is one of it is a masterpiece. Um it is about three and a half hours long. Dan, it never really felt like that to me. I never felt like it kind of drug or stretched at it at all. I I, I could have watched even more of it. I thought, you know, and 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 knowing I had some friends who who and my dad even said this as well, like who've read the book and said they could have they could have gone deeper on a lot of a lot of stuff as well. But 
obviously the runtime is what it is. Yeah, it's it's a masterpiece. Um, you know, another one from you know one of our great American artists and uh, in, in Martin Scorsese and and a a movie that yeah I would encourage folks to see if historical epic dramas are, are yeah. things that might appeal to them. This thing is first rate. Uh, every, every aspect of it. Uh, go in as cold as you can. Mm-hmm. I think because there's some really cool moments that you know that that jump out at you. And yeah, I just, I mean, all, all the stars in the Milky Way, like this, this thing is, uh, is, is incredible. And I was, uh, I, I was floored. Yeah. Uh, DiCaprio goes nuts in this movie. Everybody just does so, so well. in in, in, in this movie, the De Niro obviously is a guy that everyone's going to kind of point to a, 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 after this. Um, the, uh, the, the lead actress as well. Um, just, I mean, not somebody who has a has a deep, uh, you know, filmography, but uh, uh, Lily Gladstone well, did exceptional work in, in that movie. But everybody did quite Jesse a few, Plemons. quite a few musicians called into action, right? J- Jason Isbell in, in yeah. the film, uh, Jack White uh, in in the uh, is that is that supposed to be a surprise? Should I not have mentioned Jack White? Ah, uh, Jack White's yeah, it's you'd be fine. I think people knew he was in it already. Sturgill Simpson uh, in it as well. Um, they did it's just a just a really good uh cast. A lot of a lot of folks in the I movie. Feel, I feel bad about mentioning the Jack White part. Should we we'll, we'll nah, no, you're all good. Right, you're right, good. good. Right. We haven't we haven't really there are two big ones at, at yeah. one point. We're not gonna mention either of them. But uh yeah, just did a just did a great job. Um there are you know, native actors and actresses, some that you know, some that you don't know, um, that were phenomenal. Uh I, I talked about uh, there's a scene where there's one guy uh, who has an incredible voice, uh, a native actor, or and I thought he was an actor. And I was like, well, where has this guy been all my life? His voice is incredible, and he's doing such a great job. Looked him up afterwards. Not an actor. An actual, uh, uh, actual uh, uh, tribal-like council member uh, in real life, like today, and, and, and played the role in that movie. Just fantastic. Go watch it. Um, I'll say this Oppenheimer really enjoyed Oppenheimer. It was a very good movie. Dan, I thought I watched it twice. Now I thought Oppenheimer got a little loose at times and kind of, kind of didn't hold me as long, as long as killers of the flower moon did similar run times. I thought killers did a better job front to back. So if you've already watched Oppenheimer and you say, Oh God, I don't know if I want to do another long movie like that again. Um, hang in there. Uh, I will. And, and with this though, because I talked to um, our, our friend Brian Matthews. He sits next to me in the press box. Always fun sitting next to me, Matt, uh, for an Auburn football game. We were talking about it before the game, and he asked if I had seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet, and I said I, I had. Um, I told him, yeah, I told him we, we went through it, and B-Matt is all in on the idea of we got to bring back intermissions. We got to bring back intermissions in, in in movies. I think if there's a natural point to do it, do it. He was pointing out that you could sell more concessions and stuff if you if you bring in an intermission. And play like, the yeah. play the let's all go to the lobby song, yes. you know, in the middle of the movie, and have the the raisinets go out there and dance, and maybe people will go. You know what? At, on the point about the length of this film, like I I understand, but I didn't look at my phone once. No, like this this thing flies and. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would not I would say don't be put off or scared don't be intimidated. Of, of the runtime. 
you know, give yourself uh, a lot yourself the time, but but go see this thing in in theaters. It is uh, it is breathtaking.